0: Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Our journey and adventure through the book of Revelations continues today, and we are in Revelation 4. Before we jump into the scripture specifically, Bobby Jean, I have a question for you. Answer. When you think about thrones... What, like, books and movies come to mind that, like, we've enjoyed? Oh, my. I've got my answers ready Um, I
0: mean, first thing... So, first thing, actually, that comes to my mind is actually being really little, and there was, like, a throne somewhere in Care Bears. Don't know, (laughs) but that's my first... Then, second one... Care
1: Bears. You can tell you're a child (laughs) of the 90s. Let's go.
0: Right after that is the Lord of the Rings, I think. What would you say?
1: Yeah, I would say Narnia. And oh, the yeah. four thrones of Caraparavel okay. and then Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah.
1: um, Specifically how like, I think it was in Revelation 2 to one of the churches, Jesus spoke against the throne of Satan. Hmm. And how oh, yeah. like he has a throne. It's less than God's and it's, again, sin riddled and pathetic. And then God's throne is in heaven and it's great and glorious, but there's still like the two thrones. And I think it's in the two towers of Lord of the Rings where Theoden Mm. has compromised his views and Wormtongue has convinced him to like (laughs) follow these pagan rules. And then Gandalf, the wizard, if you're not a fan of these, I sound like a huge nerd right Uh, now. Yeah. The wizard comes in with a staff and totally puts a spell on him. Um, and totally, almost does an exorcism and yes. casts out this evil right. spirit, and allows this throne to be glorious and good once again. Mm. But because when you think about a throne, a throne though symbolizes authority,
0: power, yeah. power.
1: That's right. And so when we're reading Revelation four, right away it talks about how there's like this open door into heaven, and how then John gets to see this glimpse of the majesty and power of God's. Throne room, right? And how again, God is enthroned in heaven, which means God's enthroned over everything. Yeah, there is nothing that is above Him. There is no contemporary of God, and so that's what that throne reveals specifically—the throne of God, hmm. limitless power, eternal rule. And in this book, though, you're wrestling with like, okay, well, Satan's got the throne in Pergamum or Smyrna or Thyatira right, or right. Ephesus, whatever it was. And then there's God's throne. It's like, well, which throne am I going to bow down to? Interesting. And some of the the critiques and the judgment calls on those churches was they compromised and tolerated
0: yeah. sin, and essentially
1: right. they like bowed, bent their knee to the throne of Satan. Right. And here we're being reminded that there is one throne, or at least there is one God who's truly in power. Right. And when you read John four verse one, and it says, "As I looked up and there before me," Was a door open in heaven and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Mm. It's, it's almost as if it's through Jesus, because this is what this is all about. This whole book's about Jesus. Right. You have access to heaven. Mm. It's through Jesus you have access to the Father. Yeah. Jesus said no one can get to the Father except through me. Right. And when we're in a relationship with God, it's almost as if there's an open heaven. Yep. Above you, you have access to God. God obviously has access to us. And he's saying, hey, I'm alone. That can provide you a way to get this relationship. I and mean, this is what we ultimately need. Mm. And so verses two through six, he's starting to describe the throne and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And it again, symbolizes rule and majesty and control. Then it starts unpacking the colors and like what yeah. it looks like. And the 24 elders, which we don't even know who these 24 elders are. If you look at yep. verse four. Some people, you know, wonder if it's a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel mm. and the 12 apostles of Jesus mm-hmm. through the disciples. But they're all dressed in white, symbolizing purity and victory in Christ. Mm. But then all around them is thunder and lightning. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think
0: about that? Well, I'm just, I mean, you guys read this stuff. And I, the thing that comes to my mind when I read this is like, you don't even know. You don't even know. That's really just kind of how, you know, when you're trying to describe something and you really just had to be there. Yeah. Like, that's kind of one of those things. It's like, what words can John put on this to help paint an accurate picture in some way that makes sense to us? Because I'm sure, I mean, we talk about this with our kids, that there is going to be colors that we've never seen Mm -hmm. sounds we've never heard maybe that we know like smells and tastes yes like the shadow of it but the fullness of it we don't know and we have not experienced and so in this in this word picture that john's trying to create i feel like it's it's helpful because it opens our imagination. It opens like the possibility of how big and how strong and how powerful and how overarching God in his sovereignty really is. I also love it because, um, you know, sometimes with kids, you kind of get this picture of like, this is what an angel looks like. And then you hear, read these descriptions about eyes everywhere or, you know, ox, whatever it is, all these different things. You're like, okay, maybe that's a little mature like, yeah. I don't know if that would, I would draw this differently, you know, draw this out for my kids. And at the same time, I'm going to speak out of the other side of my mouth is I want to introduce this to my kids. I want them to, for their minds to go with the Holy spirit for them to, to dream. And I, I mean, God bless miss Nora doodle with your daddy. And wonder and sit with the Lord and say, God, you're so holy. You're so magnificent. I can't even comprehend, Mm -hmm. you know, who you are or where your throne sits. But I long for that. And because of Jesus, because of the person of Jesus, we one day will see this. Yeah. What do you think?
1: I just keep going back to the imagery of the throne and how the throne seems to be like the central
0: oh, yeah, part it, it of is, this yeah. story.
1: It's like all the attentions to the throne. Yeah. And it's Jesus rule and his reign and his power. And it seems as if, um, have you ever been in a situation where they're like, you're walking in, and especially with one of our kids and you're like, hey, don't stare at this. All right, don't stare at this person, and then when you hear that, what what's the one thing you like want to do for sure? You want to stare. You are like, yeah. what is going on here? Mm-hmm. There are situations where like you can't help yeah. but stare. Yeah, and this is one of them in a really good way, where you are like, this is where your attention should be. Mm-hmm. It's not worth looking at your shoes unless you are again in fear and trepidation before the Lord. Yeah, it's not worth looking over your shoulder and yawning, wondering what's for dinner. It's like the throne. Yeah is everything because Mm -hmm. God's on it. Yeah. And when I think about how, like, this is the center of the story with God's rule and reign over all the scriptures and over all of eternity, Mm -hmm. he's inviting us into what he can give us his protection, his peace. How often do I think about this? How often am I, am I preoccupied with the things of God?
0: Yeah. Amen. Because
1: when we're looking in the earthly realm, we can notice houses and trees and traffic and weather patterns and the finances and the economy. But, In the grand scheme of things, I need to put my attention more on the Lord and the things of God, Mm. because he alone is the one who is truly ruling and reigning and Mm. offers peace. And if you go to verse six, it talks about how there's a sea of glass right before him. The sea Mm. in the Bible was a very um, unstable and violent thing. Right. So when you read the Psalms, when it says like, Mm -hmm. God has tamed the seas, or a Jesus, when he calms the winds and the waves, or he walks on water, that is epic right. for those people because there were scary monsters out there in the dark water,
0: and they didn't go right. out that there. That actually was, was their like their, their mythology review. and their yeah. yes,
1: They're even even the Jewish people were right. like, terrified of this, and then they had to go back to the Psalms. and Go oh, yeah, God's put boundaries yeah. on these waters; He's in charge. But part of that superstition and tradition was that these are very scary. So to have a sea of glass that is stable and beautiful yeah. and smooth just again shows you how powerful God really is. And the, one of the other things here too hmm. is that God's rule and reign is not something that is just a future um hmm. aspect of our of our life and reality. Sure. It's current. Like when we do the Apostles Creator, we read the scriptures and yeah. you know Jesus has ascended into heaven and mm-hmm. is at the right hand of God the Father. He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. He is in heaven interceding right now, ruling and reigning. And so where the tension comes is when we look at the world and we go, well, it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it. Because look at all the craziness Chaos, that's yeah. happening. Look at the news. There's evil, violent stuff left and right. One of the things that I'm wrestling with, though, is I have to... Get a new worldview and a new paradigm,
0: and mm. that is this.
1: What is the greatest problem in the world? Yeah. The greatest problem in the world is not the economy. It is not even world yeah. wars. It is not uh, political schemes. It is not whatever. It is sin. Yeah. And, and sin has lost. As Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, he has already won the greatest victory one day everything mm-hmm. will be put to rest and there will be no more sin and crying and tears and suffering. Yeah. But when I think about God ruling and reigning right now, and if someone goes, well, it doesn't really look like it, you go, well, where are you at in your relationship with God? Because your yeah. greatest problem is not school. It's not your, your, your budget or your, your junkie car is the sin in your life. And God has mastered it. God has yeah. defeated it. And he offers you a way to live in freedom in the midst of that now. So if that's my paradigm, mm. Then I I begin to understand God's truly ruling and reigning right now. Yeah. And God's revealing more and more of himself. So for us, we have the scriptures, we have Jesus, Mm -hmm. but here it's like next level. And I can't wait to see that one day. Yeah. Because if God had not revealed himself to us, we'd have no idea who he is.
0: Right. It was on him initiating. We're getting glimpses of it. Yeah. From the manger of the cross
1: Mm -hmm. through the scriptures, it's just wild. And so Bobby, look at these living creatures now, verses
0: six, seven, eight. Yeah. What's going on here? I don't know. Let's read it. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Hmm. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they could not stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. What is going on? Break it down.
1: Well, yeah, the the, the representation of mm-hmm. of these things is important to note because the lion okay. has always been known as just the the king of the animals yeah. kingdom, like yeah. the wildest, the mightiest. The ox, though, is supposed to be the strongest of all the like land sure. animals. Mm-hmm. The eagle is the greatest of the sky, mm-hmm. and then man and woman were mightiest of them all. And the climax of God's creation, when we go back to Genesis 1 and 2, because we're made in God's image. Yeah. So that differentiates us from everything else and everyone mm. else. And here they're screaming out, holy, 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 worshiping God. And it's like God's supremacy, his holiness, his enthronement demands a response. I can't imagine being in the room. Yeah. And just like being on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> What's the score of the the game? That ain't a thing. It's not happening. When you're in the presence of God, based on what we see, every time an angelic figure shows up to someone in the Bible, the first words are, do not be afraid, because they are trembling, they're on their fear, maybe they wet themselves, I don't know. But it's like, hey, don't be afraid. (laughs) I come from the Lord. And here, it's like you can't live your life and not respond to God's goodness and his grace if you're in Christ. And so again, this is a reminder for me not to get caught up in earthly, trivial things that just simply don't matter. Yeah. When they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, anytime they drop a word three times, it is like yeah. the highest level, most important. And everything about God is holy. Yeah. His love is holy. It's Holiness means it's set apart. It's separated from. It's a cut above. It is um, sinless, stainless. So his love is holy. His judgment is holy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: His patience is holy. Yeah. His timeliness is holy. I, I was thinking back at Easter, even when Jesus was getting whipped and scourged and beaten with the rods, he was still yeah. holy. He didn't even have an angry thought or a, judge, a sinful, judgmental heart mm-hmm. posture while he's getting shredded. It's like this is how good and holy God is. He knows no sin. He is perfect and pure. Yeah. And, and these creatures recognize that. And so as you transition to really the end of this chapter it's talking about God's creation. Yeah. And how we recognize him and all of heaven's praising God. That's what we're going to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's not going to be some killjoy. It's going to be amazing. And everybody's in submission. They're bowing down. Yeah. You only bow down when when you're um a lesser being. Yeah. To it before an a, a superior being.
0: You don't bow down just for fun yeah I like how it ends though when it says you're worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will we were create we were created and have their being and things have their being so I love this you guys because so this chapter is reminding us that God's overall with the image of the throne but your initial question clerk was like how often do I think about that mm. with my life on earth like I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm living on our on earth and how often do I even remember that truth that we just read about today because we can use these things or view these things in life like you said things that are tangible and right in front of us whether it's your home, your work, your family, your hobbies as distractions or you can view these things as um, opportunities and instruments of God's grace mm-hmm. that actually turn us back to the throne. So what I mean by that is, yeah. is your job? Is this something where you actually go in with the mindset and and ho- empowered by the Holy Spirit to view this as an act of service unto the kingdom? And our uncle, Pastor Ken, does this so well when he's like, "Hey, when you go into a setting, you know, for instance, when I go in, when he goes into a Starbucks, when he goes walking down the street, he's ready to encounter someone." For the living God. He's ready to invite to church. He's ready to pray. He's ready to, whatever it might be, speak in Spanish. And so, just that, instead of viewing, you know, this. Aaron, that i have to run as a distraction how could how is this actually part of the kingdom how can i submit this moment hmm. to the heavenly throne that is above all that is the highest of high heavens that everything and everyone every creature and every created thing is going to bow down and worship it even now and in the future because god's above all time how can i submit this to him how about this emotion How about this emotion that I'm feeling? How can I submit that in the moment? How about the project that I'm going to be doing with my kids? How about the baby shower that we have? There's so many. It's all of life. Because instead of prioritizing God and his throne as number one and then writing two, three, four, five underneath of it, we actually write God on each line. So it's number one, God with God. Then it's number two, marriage, God in marriage. Then number three, family, God in in our family. Then number four, work, God in our work. Then number five, God in our friendships. So it's God on every line because all of those, all of those things belong to and submit and find their worth and their value in the worthiness of God. So what does that look like for you? to actually be mindful of the throne of heaven, the throne in heaven, um, our our God that's on the throne in heaven. What does that look like? Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, be pre- preoccupied with the things of God. <laughs> all right, God bless you all and stay
1: tuned for future podcasts on Revelation.
0: The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.